take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. When you arrive at 1 John chapter 2, I want you to find verse number 4. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 4. I would like for you to stand with me once you find it. I'm going to read a few verses out loud. We'll pray, then you can sit down. I'll read a few more verses to you. Then I'll give you some ideas about this idea, the sermon, God, our emotion example. First John chapter 2, starting with verse 4, it says this, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. And let's pray, and then I'll, I'll say, say some things I hope will help us tonight. Father, I ask that you would help me as I teach. I'd like to teach this lesson your way. I'd like to teach it with the right attitude. I'd like to teach it with proper teaching skill. But Lord, to be honest... I'm inadequate. So, if your Holy Spirit would pick up the slack, it would make it just right. So, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would use me. I pray, God, not only would thy Spirit control me as I speak, our listening would be inadequate if we tried to do it on our own. So may each of us surrender ourselves to you so we listen in the spirit now father help us to be better because of what we hear tonight give us your guidance as we both listen and as i speak and we pray in jesus name amen have a seat there if you will if you listen to that verse first john 2 6 says he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked now Listen to John chapter 13, verse 15. It says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Listen, it, God told us there we're to follow God. He told us that he gave us an example, and we're to follow that example. The Bible says that if we abide in him, then we should walk the way he walked or follow his example. Of course, what we're talking about right now is the subject of emotions, I want you to listen real carefully to my introduction. If you're a thinking person, I think I'll say some things that will entice you mentally. But listen real carefully. The word emotion is not found in the scripture. The word feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, it is only found twice. Emotion is a man-developed term describing the actions or the responses of our mind. God now has predetermined reactions to situations, all of which are based on his word. God has no carnal mood swings. 
the word carnal there meaning fleshly. God is not sinfully temperamental. God does not have attitude problems. You say, why? Because God is perfect. Uh, his emotions are perfect. Better than the word emotion for God, his predetermined reactions to things are perfect. But if you took your Bible out and you looked from the first verse in the, the book of Genesis and went all the way to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you're not going to find the emotion, the word emotion anywhere. It's not in there. But God has predetermined reactions to stimulus, whatever's out there. And in all reality, his actions and reactions are really above and superior to our human developed term, emotion. I probably get criticized for saying what I'm about to say, but in a way, God doesn't have emotions because the word emotion doesn't show up in his book. But he does have predetermined reactions to anything. And those predetermined reactions are, they're perfect. Why? Well, he's perfect. Now, man's not perfectly like God but man does possess some of God's attributes. We were created in his likeness. But you got to understand, we're not perfect. Now, we were created in his likeness, but we are not the spitting image of our heavenly father. Man's imperfect. We're sinners. We're broken. Man's broken. Man's emotions are not perfect like God's. Man's emotions are broken like man is broken. Man has fallen, and so his emotions have been affected by that fall. Now remember, God is perfect, and he's a perfect example of all things. God is our flawless role model. We're to be like him above all else and anyone else. And God, who has never fallen, is the perfect example to fallen man. And we are to strive to be like him. We are to do the best that we can to train our emotions to be like his. You say train your emotions? Sure. Everybody in here that's an adult and you had a child, did you ever say to your child, dry it up? Wipe that look off your face. What is that? That's a parent helping a child to train their reactions, or the word emotions. We should mold our mental actions and reactions to God's example, if you will, God's emotions. Did you know that you and I, and I think we'll all agree on this, it's quite, it's quite simple, it is one of the foundational beliefs of Christianity, but we are to submit to God in all areas. We're to submit our bodies to God. But wait, we're also to submit our emotions to God. James chapter 4 verse number 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I need to submit myself to God and I need to be in submission to God, not only physically, but mentally or emotionally. So with that as a foundation... We're going to look at God's predetermined reactions or emotions, if you will. Remember, man developed the word emotion. 
but we're going to use it because it is it is it's, it's, it's a well-known word that fits what we're we're going to talk about. The sermon's called God, our emotion example. Number one, let's talk about God's emotion example of love. Love. John three sixteen is a good place to start. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is the emotion of love. Remember, we were created in the likeness of God. God loves. He made us so we could love. Now remember, here we see the emotion of love and God possesses that. Matter of fact, God is love. But when God loves, God has perfect love. Now, I've already qualified it for us. He's perfect, we're not. Uh, we're fallen, he's not. But he has perfect love. And who is he? He's our example. Okay, so God loves man because of what God is. Uh, God's love is not based on the object God's love is based on God. Now, I want you to hear that. God loves because of who and what God is. God does not love based on the object. You say, what's the object? Well, that's man. That's us. Do you realize that we can be hard to love? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So... God is our emotion example with the emotion of love. Now, if you and I are to follow God's example regarding the emotion of love, we've got to learn to love because of what we are, not on the basis of what others are. We're to love people because we're commanded by Almighty God to love people and I'm to love you not because of what you are, but I am to love you because of what I am or what I am becoming. Now, true and pure love loves the object without getting something in return. Do you know that Jesus died for you and loved you and he had no assurance that you would get saved? Are there not all sorts of people in this world that he died for, that he loved, that has rejected that love, but did that stop him from loving them? No, because he does not love on the basis of the object. He loves on the basis of what he is. So if we want to follow God's example of the emotion, love, we are to love because of what we are. We don't love because of the object. That will help you. To love your husband, love your wife, love your kids when they're unlovable. Uh, hey, God loves us when we're unlovable. So, God's emotion example of love. Let me go to another. God's emotion example to us in regard to hate. This is point two, hate. Listen to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. And by the way, when I talk about God having the emotion of hate, I will promise you the liberals out there, they walk around saying, oh, God's love, he, he, God doesn't hate anything. You shouldn't hate anything. I'm very sorry. That's not scriptural and that's not true. You say, well, where do you get the truth? Well, from the book that God wrote. 
So listen to Proverbs 6.16. It says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination. The word abomination virtually means he hates intensely. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Then in verse 17, 18, and 19, he lists the things that he hates. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now what is that? Now we see God has the emotion of hate, or he has predetermined responses in regard to hate. And But remember, it's perfect. I know that sounds a little odd, but God has perfect hate. Because everything that God is and everything that God has is perfect. So he has perfect hate. Now God here in this scripture lists some of the things that he hates perfectly. Now when we think of hate, we think that's got to be tainted. There's got to be something wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with God. When anything's tainted, that's man and the devil. That's not God. God gets 100% credit 100% of the time for being 100% pure, holy. He is, he, he is he's, uh, he's the bee's knees about everything. He's just got it. He's got it all. But he lists some things that he hates. He said a proud look, a lying tongue, shedding innocent blood, wicked imaginations, feet swift to mischief, false witness, and get this, sowing discord among the brethren. So when people within the, the church sow discord and hurt the unity and hurt the church's spirit, God said, that's one of the things I hate. You know, he lists that right along with murder. Isn't that incredible? Notice here, remember the whole object here is that we look at God's emotion example to us, this time about hate. Notice that God hates sin, but doesn't say he hates man. God loves people. God hates sin. And if you and I are going to follow our ultimate emotion role model, God, then we must learn how to love man and hate sin. You see, hatred was not given to us for us to hate each other. Or to hate God. God gave you the emotion to hate. So you could hate sin. Here's the problem. Some of you like it. But you're supposed to hate it. Because God hates it. And he's our ultimate example. So remember this. We are to hate the things that God hates. But God doesn't hate people. Now you have to be careful. Sometimes when you go to hating sin... If you're not careful, you will hate the sinner along with their sin. Folks, as Christians, we are not going to do this world any good if we go around hating people. If you want to hate, you hate liquor. If you want to hate, you hate the drugs. If you want to hate, you hate the immorality. But wait, you love the drunk. You love the drug addict. You love that person that has fallen and, and, and they've become immoral. You love them, but you hate the sin. So our God, who's perfect, he has the emotions we have. 
Ours are tainted. So we misuse them. He said, try to follow my example. Now, will we? No, not perfectly. Not perfectly, but at least we see the standard. At least we know what we're supposed to do. He has the emotion of love. We ought to follow his example. He has the emotion of hate. We ought to follow his example. Let me give you another. God's emotion example of compassion. Compassion. Let me read to you from Matthew 9, 36. And the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Here is the emotion of compassion. And God has perfect compassion. Compassion from all my studies, from, from everything that I, using the Bible as my guide, the best that I can tell you is this. Compassion in its purest sense means to suffer with someone. In other words, they're hurting, and when you're compassionate, you're hurting with them. You, you ever had someone say, I feel your pain? Now, if, if they're being sincere, that's what compassion is. Now, Compassion is not just kindness while they suffer. You're really hurting with them. Uh, it's not just sympathy. You say, I showed compassion because I sent them a sympathy card. Uh, well, thank God for Hallmark, but, but they really don't have the corner on the market when it comes to proper emotion. God does. And God said, real compassion is when you, you, you're, you don't only see what they're going through, you feel it. Have you, and, and I hate to say this, uh, men, but ladies are sometimes a whole lot better at this than we are. Someone's hurt, and the men say, idiot, shouldn't have done it. And then you look over and your wife's crying. She's feeling the pain. She's gotten emotionally involved. But men were thinking, well, let them try that stupid thing again. That'll happen. You know, they're going to get hurt again. Uh, with our children. <laughs> it's funny. All men say, yeah, let them bleed. <laughs> Wives, you know, they're the ones they kiss the boo-boo and they want to make this right. But compassion means to suffer with. Now, God is perfect compassion. You say, to what degree? Think of what Jesus went through on our behalf. Boy, he associated with us. Compassion defined properly is suffering with, and if you and I are going to follow God's perfect example regarding the emotion of compa compassion, we can't just look at it, look at the pain, but we actually enter into the pain with the person. That's how deeply we care. That is God's example, perfect example, to fallen man about compassion. Let me go on. Let's talk about number four, God's emotion example of joy, of joy. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 23 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now here we see God has the emotion joy. 
all of these predetermined, and look right this way, all of these predetermined reactions have always been a part of what God is. But when man was created, God said, I'm creating you in my likeness, therefore you're going to get some of these. Now, we're fallen, so we're, we're broken in, the, in, in some of our emotions and our responses, but God's perfect. So now God has this emotion that we call joy, but he has perfect joy. I'm going to split hairs with you mentally for a second. Joy is not happiness. Happiness comes from the root meaning or the root word happenings. Meaning I am happy because of fun things are happening. So happiness is based on happenings. Which would mean if fun things are not happening, then I'm not happy. Okay, uh, happiness starts on the outside and works its way in. Now, joy is different than happenings. Joy is something that starts on the inside and works its way out. Joy is based on what you are, not on what you have. Joy is not based on happenings, except for one, the day you got saved you were given joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in there. And joy works its way out from the inside out. Happiness starts on the outside and works its way in. No matter what's happening on the outside, I can have joy on the inside. But happenings, remember, is based on what's happening around me. So... If we're going to follow God's example regarding the emotion of joy, we must let it start on the inside with the basic premise, I'm saved. Na 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 na. <laughs> you knew I studied Hebrew, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I know that sounds simple, but folks, we're saved. Everything else that happens, we're saved. And I might be going through a tough time, but I'm saved. And I'm going to heaven. Starts on the inside, works its way out. Be careful, because when your life is... All, all your reactions are based on what's going on around you. You've got to work hard at controlling the emotion so it starts as to what has happened inside you. And God lives in there. So, if we're going to follow God's example regarding emotion, we must let it start on the inside and work its way out. And joy is not based on happenings. Okay? Remember, God is our emotional example. Let's go on. Let's take God's emotion example of anger. Anger. First Chronicles 13.10, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him because he put his hands to the ark, and there, was, there he died before God. And there's a big story around the story of Uzzah. But here we see, in multiple places in the Bible, it tells us that God has the, uh, the emotion of anger. But remember, it's perfect anger. Uh, God has perfect anger. Why? Because God's perfect. God's holy. God's flawless. 
You take any superlative and add to it 10 times and uh, you're still cheating God out of how holy and godly and everything that he is. But God's got perfect anger. Now see, God is able to use anger as a tool. I don't think God uses anger as, as an out-of-control weapon of destruction. And God's anger is not sinful. Couldn't be. It's not possible because God's not a sinner. It's impossible. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. Why? God's not a sinner. Now, the Bible says this. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. So there's a way to be angry, but that the anger is not sin. Case in point, God. God's our emotion example about this subject called anger. Now, anger with God, see, is not expressed when he is carnal. Anger with God is not expressed when he is uh, in the flesh. Because God is the spirit. And I'll tell you when your anger's wrong... Your anger's wrong when it's in the flesh. So God is our perfect God. And God can express anger. But God uses anger as a tool and the fulfilling of his will. He uses it in a perfect way. So if you and I are going to follow God's example regarding the emotion of anger, we must be under the Spirit's control it would be used as a tool, not a weapon, to hurt or destroy. Um, do you know that everything that God does is good? God's good, and what do we say? All the time. Now, we're not. I wish we were. And remember, He's perfect. I have emotions. I was created in His likeness. The only thing is, we buggered up uh, you know, our perfect record, and we're broken. So we got to watch out for our emotions because they're, they don't function right. We got to keep an eye on it. Just like every other part of the Christian life, you got to keep an eye on it. Now, one day when we get to heaven, it's going to be fantastic. We won't have that problem anymore. I think one of the thrills about heaven for me is I get so tired of having to apologize to God continuously for letting him down. Some, I, I'm just humiliated sometimes to go to the Lord and say, I blew it again. I'm so, so sorry. Can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I'm not going to have to confess anymore. And I, I stay really busy confessing Brother Edward's sins. I mean, that just wears me down. <laughs> Didn't mean to wake up, by the way. Uh, what's so funny about that, Jonathan? <laughs> and Jack? <laughs> Yeah, they like getting their dad picked on. You remember, you get the microphone more often than they do. But anger with God is a tool, and that tool helps him to fulfill his will. If anger was ever a part of a Christian's life, it's got to be in the will of God. It's got to be in the Spirit. It's got to be as a tool if we're going to follow God's example. God's, God's the one that shows us how to use anger properly. Let me go on. Let's take God's uh, emotion example of jealousy. 
This is, I think this will be interesting to you. God's emotion example of jealousy. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 5, it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Hmm. Now, at first glance, almost every human being alive would think jealousies, that's sin. Well, God doesn't sin. God's a jealous God. And he's the one that wrote the book and put in there that he's a jealous God. So there's the emotion of jealousy. But God has perfect jealousy. Why? Because God's perfect God. God is jealous over us, for instance. Why? Well, he has perfect love for us, and he has a rightful ownership to us. You know, if you're a Christian, you've been bought with a price. And God is jealous over us because God owns us, and God is jealous over us because God loves us. Now, jealousy, this is one of those emotions. It's almost impossible for man to properly express. So you better really keep a finger on this one. This is a, it's, jealousy is a, it's a powerful thing. It can be a very destructive thing. But God is a jealous God. And he gave us that emotion. But ours is broken. Now let me explain. Sinful jealousy has its roots in covetousness. You say, what's that mean? I want what they have. And there's one of our biggest problems. I. So sinful jealousy has its roots in covetousness. Did you know God can't covet? It's all his. God doesn't look and say, yo, I'd like to have that. No, that's his. Sinful jealousy says, I want what they have. Sinful jealousy desires good for oneself. When I'm jealous of you, I want what you have for me. Now, I wish the human race, I wish it wasn't, I want what you have. I wish we could say, I want you to have what you have. But we don't tend to be that way. I want benefit from that for me. Godly jealousy desires good. But godly jealousy desires good for God. Godly jealousy may God de desire good for somebody else. You say, I want that for God's benefit. I want that for God's glory. I want that to exalt God. You see, the problem with jealousy is we want it for ourselves. But if we want to use jealousy properly, we ought to want it for God. We ought to want it for God's will. So we have jealousy as one of our emotions, but you got to be careful. It's a very dangerous. You're going to have to work really, really hard to want what somebody else has to glorify God. You know what? If there was someone and there are people that get jealous about, uh, I'm, I, somebody could probably get jealous about a few of our pianists are fantastic pianists. Somebody could look at that and almost get jealous about one of our pianists. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to be jealous about one of our pianists because you want God to be glorified in your life like they're glorifying God in their life, go for it. But the problem is you want 
what they have so you get the attention, so you can be exalted, so you can look good. That's where your jealousy became wrong. So you can be jealous, but it's got to be the right kind of jealousy. It's a pure jealousy. And God has pure jealousy. Let me go on. God's emotion example of pity. Pity. Matthew chapter 18, verse 33, it said, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And that's Jesus speaking there. Here's the emotion that we call pity. Now God showed pity. Jesus showed pity on someone. Man, there's the emotion. He had the emotion. And remember, if he had pity, then that was a perfect expression of this thing called pity. Now, from the best I can analyze it and the best I, I understand the scripture, pity is compassion. Remember, that's suffering with. But someone that is expressing pity, they have compassion, but you virtually add a, a charitable gift or sacrifice on the part of the one that is sharing or experiencing that pity. So pity is compassion with a charitable gift added to it. It's a physical action accompanying the emotional willingness to suffer. In other words, if I had compassion on Brother Young, I would, I was, I'm willing to emotionally suffer with him. But if I want to add to that compassion, I'm going to give him 10 bucks to help with the problem. I'm not just going to feel for him. I'm going to sacrifice to go along with my feeling. You ever heard someone say, put your money where your mouth is? I think sometimes God wants us to put our money where, or put our gifts or our charity where our emotions are. Can I tell you all something? I, I think it's a wonderful thing when you say to someone, I really feel for them. Feeling's cheap. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything. You don't find a whole lot of people that feel to the point of emotional poverty. But God said, well... Don't just express emotion. Take it a step further. And that's what pity, from what I can tell in the scripture, that's what pity is. Now, so if we're going to follow God's example regarding the emotion of pity, we must feel for the hurting one and then contribute to the situation with some sacrifice physically. You're getting involved not only emotionally, but you're getting involved physically. It doesn't have to be money, you're, but you're contributing physically to, to help them. Let me go on. Let me tell you where we're at. I've got two or three more and we'll be done. Stay with me. Number eight. Number eight, God's emotion of weeping. God's emotion of weeping. Of course, our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God allowed Jesus to come down here, born in a human body. But we know that uh, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Listen to John chapter 11, verse 33, 34, and 35. It says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. Okay, well, there's that's emotion. Jesus is weeping. Notice it talked about he groaned in his spirit, and then he wept. I, I love this thought. Uh, those were 
perfect tears. <laughs> the purest, most perfect tears that ever came out of the tear duct came out of the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, Jesus was strong. These tears were not a weakness. He's, he's the epitome of strength. When I grew up, I can remember there was a certain philosophy or, or approach that uh, men don't cry. Now, I think there's some truth to some of that. Uh, I don't think men are going to be crying around all the time. But the thought that men don't cry is a slap in the face to our Savior because Jesus Christ was the epitome of manhood and he wept. Now, so, but I really don't think men are supposed to be whiny babies. Okay, that, that, that's very clear. Go ahead and look at the rest of the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, but he did weep. But he had to use, or the weeping had to be perfect weeping. So we call it emotion. It was his mental response to what was happening, and he wept. Uh, but I want you to know, his primary weeping was for others. It was for others. It wasn't for himself. He was not so self-absorbed that, you see, when Jesus was weeping, let me, and let me explain, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, he was not weeping as a result of stress. He wasn't weeping as a result of distress. His heart was so moved for Mary and Martha in regard to the fact that Lazarus had died. And you know what? He even knew he's going to bring him back to life. He knew, he, you all know the story, right? Lazarus is dead. And everybody's saying, wah, wah, wah. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to weep with you, but hang on just a minute. He's coming back. I can take care of this. But look at how much he cared about how they hurt. I mean, he even knew. He could have said, ah, stop the crying. I can handle this. He was going to handle it. But you know what he did? Now, and he could, it couldn't have been a farce. to be. Had those tears been a farce, would have made him a sinner. So he sincerely cared because they were weeping. Jesus was not weeping out of stress. He was not weeping out of distress. Jesus was weeping for others. And I think God gave us tears primarily for others. They proved that. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again. What were they weeping about? Their rent payment? No. The fact that people were dying and going to hell and they had the seed that would get somebody born again and they were weeping for others. So if you want to use the emotion of tears well, if you want to use that emotion like Jesus did, we should weep for others. But do you, can I tell you what's happened in our society? We weep for ourselves a lot. And we weep for others very, very little. Again, I've been started in church when I was 16. As of this day, I'm 59 years of age. It is rare that I watch people walk the aisle at church with tears in their eyes for somebody else. But I think in its purest form, the emotion and the tears that were wept out of the eyes of Jesus Christ, it was for somebody else. 
But there is that, that emotion of weeping. He wept because of the loss of others. He wept not because of his own loss, but the loss of others. If we're going to follow God's example regarding the emotion of weeping, then primarily we're going to weep for others. Let me give you another. Laughter. Number nine, God's emotion example of laughter. The Bible says at multiple places that the Lord laughs. In Psalm 37, 13, it said the Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming. God, if God laughs, if I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested in hearing how God laughs. Uh, there are, I'm, I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's a jovial. I'm sure it rattles the heavens when God laughs, but the Bible says he laughs. And remember, when God laughs, it's a perfect laughter. God gave you the emotion of laughter or an, that, that you, a response uh, to, to, to what's happening, and you chuckle or you laugh. When God laughs, it's his expression regarding his thrill concerning his will being done. You look, when God's laughing, God, almost every time you hear God laughing, it's because God said, this is going to happen, and he laughs. Why? It's the fulfilling of God's will. It was a righteousness, and he, was, he experienced joy about that good thing coming to pass, or forthcoming, or he knew what was going to happen. You see, his laughter was almost a sign of approval. Uh, God laughs, and that laughter is attached to God's joy. Uh, now, you can be sure that God does not laugh about anything sinful. Why? Because laughter is virtually a sign of approval. When God laughed, he was laughing about the fact that his will was going to take place, and he was overjoyed. He has a right to. So God didn't laugh about anything sinful. God didn't laugh about anything evil. And so, you know, if you and I are going to use this response, this what we call an emotional response of laughter, we should be very careful laughing about evil or laughing about sin. You say, why? Because God doesn't. And if we're going to, remember, we're created in his likeness, though we're broken, we have those emotions, but we, we, we've got to work on those because that as a part of the fall of man was that our emotions have been tampered with. So... If we're going to follow God's example regarding the emotion of laughter, we must laugh at clean things. Matter of fact, we ought to be able to laugh and express joy with that laughter in regard to the will of God being fulfilled. I mean, so when your child walks the aisle and gets born again, the Bible says there is joy in the presence of of the angels in heaven when one sinner repenteth. You know what? You know that you know what they're I think they're out there in heaven. They're just laughing and having a good time saying, Somebody got saved. That's worth our joy, our laughter. But we you and I, we should be very, very careful laughing at evil and sin. Because God doesn't. Sin is no laughing matter to God. Okay, let me give you one more and we're done. Number 10, God's emotion example of being touched by humanity. It's a funny thing. I Well, no, it's a powerful thing. Our God is touched by our humanity. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we have not an high priest, so you understand our high priest is Jesus. This is God. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched 
with the feelings of our infirmities. Hmm. Perfection touched by the infirmities of humanity's imperfection. Here's what I want to say, and I'll be finished. You know that God loves even when we don't. So the, the, the Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our imperfections. So I love this. Do you know that God loves me even when I don't love God? Did you know that God hates wrong? No matter what I do, God's going to hate wrong. You know, God, he, he practices compassion no matter what everybody else does. He practices joy and properly, no matter what everybody else does. He practices anger, no matter what everybody else does. The same about jealousy and pity and weeping and laughter. He does it because it's right. He's touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but it, it does not change what he is. He's touched by it, but it does not change what he is. Listen, I think really what God is saying is... Uh, I have a reaction. I take this thing called my emotions. And God said, I'm going to act or react the right way with my emotions. That's what makes him perfect. That's what makes him God. So what you and I want to do, we want to work very hard at helping our emotions to respond properly to what's going on around us. And, 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 and we do live in a society where we tend to think we, we don't have any control. Now, we won't have perfect control. We are just not going to have perfect control. But I think God wants us to work on ourselves. And he wants us to react properly with our emotions. And part of it is our learning how God uses his emotions. I can glance at God's example and say, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to love because of what I am, not because of the object of my love. Do you know if the if you're if you only have joy because somebody does something for you, did you know that they're in charge of your joy? But if you have joy because you do something for someone else, nobody can stop that. God wants us to be in control of those things, so we do what we're supposed to do on the basis of the fact that it is right to do it. That's what God does. That's what God does. I'm glad that God is touched by our infirmities, but it does not change what he is. He continues to do right. So, I hope, I hope you've been challenged tonight. God is our emotion example. You look at how God handles his perfect emotions, and then work toward that in your life. I'll say this, and I'm finished. One of the things that we all want to do as parents, let's help our children to learn that. We, you know, we train our kids and we want them to learn arithmetic, and we want them to learn to read, and there's so many things we want them to learn. Let's help to train them emotionally too. Oh, in church, in Sunday school, Hey, you know, what am I doing here tonight? I'm teaching a scriptural, I'm giving scriptural emotional training. It will help us. It will help us. Now, are we going to be perfect? No. 
Thank God. God is very good to us in spite of our infirmities. Now, you be good to each other. If somebody doesn't have that emotion where it ought to be, be good to them and love them. God doesn't throw anybody under the bus, but let's understand we are to try to do our best to train ourselves to be like God.